Hello, and welcome back to Bad Apple. I'm Helen. I'm Riley. Today, we stay in the land of the long white cloud. Ooh. It's a good place. Is it? <laughs> we're not about to sell it. Not with this story. Yeah, we're selling the country to a specific market. Oh. Crazy people like us. Mm. <laughs> True crime fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to have to go on an excursion when the borders open back up. Like a, um, like, go to all these spots. Yeah. We'll have to do a big road trip around New Zealand. Really exciting stuff, I reckon. <laughs> this field. <laughs> this abandoned house. <laughs> this grave. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back with a ghost or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today's episode features a disappearance of a man named Jim Donnelly. A stab in the dark by me. Yeah, this was your pick. Yeah. I went, New Zealand case, we gotta do a disappearance. What do I search in Google? People who disappeared in New Zealand. Nice. What do I find? Jim. Jim. So, what happens when a father of two in Auckland goes to work, signs in, and never signs out? He's been missing for more than 16 years, which... Doesn't that create some intrigue? Mmm, very intriguing. Well, let's get into it. Jim Donnelly was a 43-year-old man living in Auckland with his wife Tracy and two children, Siobhan, aged five, and Liam, aged seven. He had been a long-time employee of the Glenbrook Steel Mill, south of Auckland, where he had worked as a troubleshooter for almost 20 years. On the morning of Monday, the 21st of June, 2004, Tracy Donnelly was woken at 4.30am by her husband Jim, who was getting ready to leave for work. These early mornings had been a recent thing as Jim had been moved to a new project at the steel mill which was demanding more of his time. Before he left, Tracy recalls Jim telling her that they had to sort out some presents that he had bought for their children's birthdays months in advance. He had gotten a skipping rope for Siobhan and a chess set intended for Liam's 21st birthday. Through half-closed eyes, Tracy watched Jim leave. This was the last time she ever saw him. It is interesting to note, Liam is seven. So this gift is 14 years in the making. He's planning ahead. He's playing long game. Yeah. Also, just a skipping rope? (laughs) Siobhan just got a skipping rope. Yeah, and Liam gets a whole chess set. But he doesn't get it yet, I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe Siobhan's 21st birthday present was even more in the works. Yeah. Jim made lunch for himself and the kids, drove his car to work, parked in the staff car park, and went into the building. In the locker room, he changed from his home clothes into his work uniform. He was last seen by a co-worker in the locker room, standing still, half undressed, wearing only his jeans. The co-worker says that he went to the bathroom, and when he came back, Jim was still standing there, still shirtless, but had moved so that his face was no longer visible. Jim eventually got changed and was seen 10 minutes later in his work uniform walking back to his office. He was seen soon after at 6.20am by his shift supervisor, who greeted Jim with a good morning. I don't really have a Kiwi accent. Good morning? (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you do a better one than me. (laughs) Apparently, Jim froze in his tracks as if he'd been caught doing something he shouldn't have been and didn't respond. Then he went and signed into the area he was working in that morning. He was seen at 6.30am walking through an industrial building at the south of the mill. Some colleagues say they saw Jim pacing? Pacing around? Mm. Like not doing any work, just walking around, pacing. Ruminating. Just, yeah, thinking. He was a troubleshooter. Maybe he was just coming up with a solution. 
When Tracy called Jim at 8am, he didn't pick up, which was out of character, and Tracy became worried about her husband, which is natural considering the high-risk industrial environment that he worked in. At 9am, Jim was expected at a work meeting, but he didn't show up and was unable to be located on the mill premises. Tracy contacted the wife of one of Jim's work colleagues, Stephen Taylor, to express her concerns. Stephen tries calling Jim twice between 11 and 12 and leaves two voice messages. At around 2.30pm, mill staff begin to look for Jim and discover that his car is still in the staff car park. Jim was expected to collect his children from their grandmother's home at 6pm, but when he failed to arrive, Tracy went with her father to the police station to officially report Jim as missing. His car remained in the staff car park at the steel mill. The police were sent to the mill, and Tracy arrived at around 8pm. It was determined that the mill staff would be responsible for the initial search that night, which was completed at around 11pm, with no sign of Jim. Lead investigator Dean Duthie decided to treat the case as a missing persons investigation. The first steps involved contacting the nearby hospitals to see if anyone matching Jim's description had presented to the emergency department, but this was to no avail. They also checked his bank accounts and phone records for any evidence of something which might have triggered his disappearance, like drug, alcohol or gambling problems, or even an affair. These were all ruled out. There's plenty of other ways to... It's 2004, you know? There's... Yeah. We have PayPal, surely? You could have a... Could you? A secret PayPal? Yeah, I was six. Yeah, me too, but... So I couldn't tell you about credit cards and PayPals. But maybe, like, cash? Okay, cash. Cash. But you can't hide an affair from phone records. A burner phone. I guess so. Yeah, you're right. He had two phones. You almost sound like someone who might be having an affair, really. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> Can I'm you have one saying. when you're single? I don't think so. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Just multiple. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On Wednesday, June 23rd, a man was seen, quote, running for his life in the opposite direction to the search team by a digger operator who was working in the area. Another sighting in a similar area of a man wearing the steel mill uniform further supported this theory, particularly because mill workers were not supposed to be in that area. Despite these potential sightings, the land search was called off on Wednesday night as police believed he was no longer in the area. On Thursday, Tracy and the two kids, Liam and Siobhan, had made signs to place along Mill Road appealing for Jim to come home, including one which read, quote, Please don't forget soccer on Saturday. Oh. How sad. If he saw that, he would have come back. That hurt. Yeah. You would have to. Man, you would be one <sighs> cold, heartless person if you read that and didn't show up to soccer on Saturday. I know. He would have. He didn't see it. He mustn't have seen it. Mm. The idea that the person, if it was Jim, had left the area was compounded by the discovery of boot prints on the shoreline near the steel mill. While some of them had been washed over by the tide, the prints were able to be tracked along the shore to the south, where they climbed a sand dune and finally disappeared into the grass, which was beyond the boundary of the steel mill. Sergeant Duthie checked the uniform records at the mill and discovered that the boots that were most recently issued to Jim matched the prints found in the sand. Five days after Jim was last seen at work, some employees found his hard hat next to an acid tank in a restricted area of the mill, an area which had already been searched by police. The acid tank was then drained, and Jim's work glasses, credit card, some cash, and his work key were found inside. 
Tracy said that Jim kept his work key on a loop with his house keys, which were not in the tank and have never been located. Now I know what you're thinking. Were these items on Jim when his body was placed into the acid tank, but the acid just hadn't dissolved these items yet? The simple answer is no. Alan Blackman, a chemistry professor at AUT, Auckland University of Technology? Yes, technology. Yes. Alan Blackman says that the acid in the vats, which was hydrochloric acid at a 3% concentration, was not strong enough to dissolve an entire body within the five days. So that theory is ruled out. That straight up sounds like something Riley puts on his face for skincare. <laughs> hydrochloric acid at a 3% concentration. Yeah, I reckon we can find a bottle of that in his bathroom. We probably could. And he's still living. He still has a face, kind of. <laughs> it's not dissolved. It's not dissolved. So... Yeah. At least not all the way. Interesting. After his disappearance, Jim's wife Tracy began to think more about Jim's behaviour in the months leading up to his disappearance, and anything that could have led to him wanting to run away or take his own life. A couple of months earlier, while Tracy had been in Canada as part of her role for Air New Zealand, Jim had rode off the family car in a two-vehicle collision. I don't know what that meant at first. And then it was explained to me. Would you like to explain to the people? Yeah. If you write your car off, if it's a write-off, just means that don't bother fixing it. Just write out a check for how much it's worth. The it's insurance company. Yeah, your insurance company will just be like, Muh, don't bother. Never mind. Have some money and buy a new one. I see. Yeah. So it's a pretty bad collision. Yeah. I mean, if the airbags go off, most cars are a write-off. Oh. Yeah. That seems like a design flaw. Well, you can't really shove them back in. <laughs> So you throw the whole car out? Pretty much. What? Yeah. Someone needs to come up with a solution for that. They're airbags. Just take the air out. And just chop them back in? Yeah. Okay. I chop the whole. Go again. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. She didn't challenge his explanation at the time about the car crash, but now wonders whether there was more to it than Jim let on. She says that Jim had stopped engaging with her and would regularly disappear for hours at a time to go on walks. When she addressed it with him, he couldn't explain his anxious behaviour. Within the week before Jim went missing, he had asked Tracy to come home early from work so he could discuss his intentions to join the Freemasons with her. He'd asked her twice within that week. You want to tell the people about the Freemasons? You're telling people about a lot of things tonight. I just think the Freemason thing is... It could be something here. Because, at least in my experience or knowledge, I know that the Freemasons while claiming that they are um, this fraternal organization of upstanding men with upstanding values. Yeah. Helen just pulled a face. (laughs) That face. It was that face. (laughs) Yeah. We are men of high standard. Yeah. While they claim to be this, like, I guess some sort of quasi-community group, they do often get linked to a lot of conspiracies particularly about like secret society new world order being a group that can influence politics and politicians so like illuminati-esque vibes yeah and i just think like if you did get if you did mix up with them wrong who knows i'm just thinking about like high class society men in new zealand in 2004 Yeah, what do they look like? Troubleshooters at steel mills, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It it also has some weird connotations. It's a weird thing. 
Because they're like, it's like you have to be a man. You have to be, what, freeborn, like you said. Yeah. Which just means you, we were Googling before, just means you can't be born a slave, right? Yeah. So I guess they've existed for a while when that was relevant. Yeah. And that means you couldn't, I guess you have to be white, right? But maybe not. Like, maybe not anymore. Not anymore, but yeah. But that was the intention. They seem to help each other a lot in terms of money and then like oh. help charities a lot in terms of money. That's right. like how they are upstanding in a way. Upstanding. Uh-huh. Whatever that means. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know a lot. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I would like to know more. But I think... But you can't join. I can't join. Mm, maybe I'll pull a Mulan and infiltrate. <laughs> Get those shoulders real broad. <laughs> yeah. I've got the shoulders for it. <laughs> yeah, well, let me know, hey? Oh, I will. Let me know how you go. Yeah. You'll be calling me to come home early from work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe Jim wanted to join the Freemasons. I mean, he did. He did want to join, and maybe he'd already, like, put things in the works. He'd, maybe he'd already put things into motion and then was like, oh, I need to mm-hmm. tell my wife. Mm. Closer to his disappearance, Jim's behaviour was becoming increasingly concerning. Tracy told investigators that her husband had been acting strangely in the weekend leading up to his disappearance. The pair had planned a staycation and had booked a hotel in Auckland for the Saturday night. Cute. Yeah. Cute little getaway. Kid-free evening. (laughs) I wonder if it was in Auckland City, in like the Langham or the Pullman Hotel. I actually, it was um, the Meriton, maybe? I've never heard of it, but. I've definitely seen, I saw the, I saw which one it was, but I forget now. Probably maybe a fancy hotel night in the city. Yeah. Especially if you live, um. In like the Burbs? In the Burbs, near near the mills. Oh yeah. Coming to the city, don't know. However, out of nowhere, Jim told Tracy that he couldn't make it anymore because he had a meeting to go to. Tracy tried to find out what the meeting was for, but Jim wouldn't tell her anymore. He hired a suit and headed off to his meeting. Okay, why would you want to miss out on a nice child-free evening with your wife in Auckland City? I'm just stumped he had to hire a suit. Yeah, I think that was the done thing back then. No one owned them. In 2004. I guess if you work at a steel mill. Yeah, but he is like, um... I feel like my dad doesn't own a suit. Or at least he... I don't think he does. But he's 43. Not your dad. Not my dad. Jim. Jim. I don't know. Just think you... I feel like you just... I guess some dudes just never have a reason to get one. Right. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Hire one for your wedding and Mm. then... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm. Before leaving, he told Tracy that he might be a bit fragile the next day, but wouldn't say why. When he returned, Tracy said that Jim appeared happier and told her that, quote, if you knew what was in my head, you would not be worried. Family comes first. Family is most important. Cryptic. That is very cryptic. And the fragile, I'll be a bit... She tried to clarify with him and was like, physically or emotionally? And he was like, physically. Right. What does that mean? Did he think he was going to get beat up? Not in the hired suit. Oh, you're right. You can't be doing that. No, you got to return it. Well, maybe that's why you hide it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the next day, Jim was still being distant and left the house again, this time to divert a, quote, crisis and a waste. Tracy didn't know what had come over her husband. She said that he would come home sporadically, pace the house, eat a little, and leave again. She said, quote, it was like he was trying to make a decision about something. Evidence had since surfaced of what Jim might have been up to that night. He was seen at an office block in central Auckland, 
reportedly behaving unusually. He snuck into the building by following an office worker through a secure car park, but didn't go undetected for long. The building's caretaker, Dennis Algar, questioned Jim about his reason for being in the building. Jim said he had come to see someone working in the building and to help his friend pay a debt. It's assumed that his friend he was referring to was Stephen Taylor, his work colleague. Dennis said Jim seemed frightened and a bit incoherent during their interaction. One main theory is that Jim was killed in a workplace accident and the steel mill was aware and attempted to cover it up. Before I'd even started to research this case, this was the first theory that popped into my head. I don't know what it is, but I just felt like that it was a big possibility, especially if, like, I don't know what situation the mill was in at the time, but maybe if, like, profits were down or um, Mm. shareholder returns were down, they would be under pressure not to have any bad publicity. Yeah. In 2017, Tracy Donnelly penned a piece about Jim's disappearance as part of the Radio New Zealand podcast, The Lost, a true crime series which covered New Zealand missing persons cases. In her article, Tracy outlines how the theories that police presented to her at the time seemed incongruous with the Jim that she knew. The thing that stuck out to her most was the discovery of Jim's belongings in the acid tank five days after he was reported missing. The mill is a secure site, so how did someone get into that area during the search efforts to put Jim's belongings in the tank and leave his hard hat specifically where it would be found? Tracy thinks that someone saw something and isn't telling, or that it was a large-scale evidence plant by mill management. In 2010, Senior Sergeant Dave Glossop took over the case, and noted that he was of the opinion that the evidence in the vat, including Jim's hard hat, weren't put there by Jim, as it would have meant that Jim walked back through the factory where there was people already searching for him. Unless he was extremely stealthy, there's no way he wouldn't have been spotted putting his belongings into the vat. The hard hat was never tested for fingerprints, so we can't know who had touched it. Oh. I know. It's a hard hat. Just hold it up to the light. Yeah. It's reflective. Yeah. You know? Just dust dust it. And this is because they looked for him during that day. And they the specifically staff. looked in the area. Yeah. And it, the stuff wasn't there. Apparently the hat wasn't there. At least the hat. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Tracy asked mill management whether they would allow a private investigator to have access to the mill to look into Jim's disappearance, which would have been at her expense. They declined her request, which Tracy saw as a red flag. She considers it odd that they weren't willing to get answers to Jim's disappearance. Why don't they want to know what happened to one of their workers? Tracy is certain that the answers to Jim's sudden disappearance are contained within the mill. It was the last place Jim was seen, but Tracy has found that the mill aren't willing to cooperate and are happy as long as people continue to believe that Jim left the site. Is this because they've got something to hide? I'm calling you out, Mill. (laughs) Big Mill. This is a call out. Please respond. (laughs) Plausible. But a lot of people came forward from the Mill to Mm -hmm. testify. You're right, saying that they'd seen him in the morning. Yeah, and a lot of people, they all helped look for him. So the cover-up, if it was, must have been... Very good. From higher up. Yeah, very high up. And, like, more than one person. Like, it had, yeah, it would have Mm. to have been a plan or something, because... Seemingly, either the workers are all excellent paid actors. Or none of them know about or it. Or none, yeah. 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 Or a select few. I'll, mm. I'll tell you what, the first theory that popped into my head was that he's just like 
gone into an accident and fallen down somewhere that like between walls or right something because you know those cases where people are missing for years and the, their bodies are just found in like, like a little a little space a small yeah space. that like no one thought to look mm. and that's happened in places less complex than steel mills that was my first like that's true but doesn't explain the reappearing hat you're right the next theory is that jim's mental health was deteriorating and that was what prompted his disappearance jim's odd behavior as well as the seemingly unplanned nature of his disappearance, led investigators to believe that he was suffering from a mental illness, had reached breaking point at work, and had essentially run away, and was actively evading rescue teams. This theory is supported by the several potential sightings of Jim around the mill, including the boot prints found in the sand which matched Jim's work-issue boots. Sergeant Duthie believes that the man seen was Jim, and that the search party had spooked him and caused him to leave the search area. There are a range of outcomes from this theory. Some people speculate that Jim took his own life, while others think that he simply left to begin a new life. Police even put the theory to Tracy that Jim may have been gay and had left so that he could live authentically with his partner. His hypothetical partner. Mm. Yeah. Tracy isn't sure about this theory, saying that Jim would never leave his children, Furthermore, there is evidence from a psychologist who saw Jim around the time of his disappearance and said that he had shown no signs of being suicidal. You can not show signs. Yeah, that's true. You can act. Mm. I was just reminded of the boot evidence. Boot, yeah. And just linked that back to cover-up theory in my mind ah. is that who the heck was running? And why are there boot prints if he if there was a cover-up at the mill? Maybe that was... Part of the cover-up. <laughs> you're right, though. That would be a stretch. 4D chess. Either they, they hired a paid actor to run for his life. Yeah. Or it was someone... Yeah, he was running for his life. Or it was someone, like, running to dump something. Running to dump some evidence. <laughs> well, he wasn't being very subtle about it. No, I know. <laughs> Didn't even take his boots off. <laughs> if it was a cover-up, they would have put his boots on someone else. And then... Maybe they did. They said, go and pretend to be Jim and run away. And the man committed. Yeah. They had to pick the most Jim-looking dude. Not hard. This man looked, ver- this man looked very... Um, he hip. looked like a man that he, worked in a mill. Yeah. Caucasian, Moustache, brown Br- hair. Yeah. My mind is really going in circles with this one. Yeah. So, what about those erratic meetings and late-night visits to office buildings and that debt he said he was helping a friend pay? Had Jim gotten into some financial trouble in the abstract sense, or involved with a bad deal with a friend? Maybe he was really trying to help a friend, but got a little bit close to the trouble and became implicated himself? This has led some people to speculate that while Jim initially fled, he was in fact on the run from someone who wanted him dead. Whether this person or persons caught up with him remains unknown, but it might have been what prompted him to disappear in the first place and would explain his skittish behaviour at work that morning. This comes back to the Freemason thing. Maybe he was caught up with them. But people have joined the Freemasons and remained very public figures. Yeah, but maybe he had something they wanted. Or maybe maybe they contacted him and they were like, come join us, because he had some skill. He was a good troubleshooter. He had a brain. He had problem-solving skills. And that's why he only just brought it up with Tracy. 
Because that's why it seems so out of the blue, because they had called him. Why hasn't anyone talked to the Freemasons? Maybe we should just ask them. This is a call-out. <laughs> Especially the, like, um, New Zealand Freemasons. Yeah. It, if it's like the New Zealand branch of anything, surely they're just chilling out. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll just swing by their headquarters. They'll kick me out. Yeah. I'll get my brother to get swing your by brother, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, maybe I've just... Maybe he ran away to join the Freemasons because he felt it was his calling. Mm. Or maybe I've got my tinfoil hat on. Mm. We'll never know. There's some kind of... um. I, re- I reckon there's a huge legacy energy in the Freemasons. Oh, definitely. So wouldn't he want his son to go in? Just another thought. Damn. I don't know. In 2010, six years after Jim went missing, a farmer from Waipu Cove in Northland was certain that Jim had temporarily worked for him. 72-year-old Max Papich was absolutely sure that Jim had worked for him, saying, quote, The way he did his hair, pushed out to the side, same height, same complexion, same everything. Apparently, the man had told Max that he was a scientist and worked in South Auckland, but didn't say any more. Max came forward after hearing a news item about a man who had committed suicide in Waipu Cove as he believed it was the same man who worked for him, but police confirmed that this man was not Jim. So either Jim never worked for Max, and it was the deceased man who did, or it was perhaps Jim that worked for Max, and a different man committed suicide. Yeah. My brain. Brain twister. Yeah, that's a brain twister. Further, Tracy said that it wasn't like her husband to describe himself as a scientist, but that she was grateful Max came forward to the police. To this day, the case remains open. Mm. Also in 2010, Senior Sergeant Dave Glossop renewed efforts to answer the many questions that still linger in relation to Jim's disappearance. He brought rescue professionals back to the site where Jim was last seen, which includes the mill, the beach, and acres of oxidation ponds. Pods? Or ponds. ponds? Oh. They're like concrete pool things, and they have liquid in them that oxidizes things, like metal. I don't really know, but it's something to do with metal manufacturing. When you oxidize copper, does it rust? When you oxidize anything, it will rust. Or any metal, it'll rust. Mm, I see. I think. Why do you want that? Don't know. I'm not sure. Mm. Knowledge beyond us yet again. If anyone knows... If anyone works at a steel mill... Let us know. They also employed a new technology, including GPS, which was not available at the time, and were looking into the use of sonar radars to gain a clearer picture of exactly what was contained within the oxidation ponds. Sergeant Glossop also investigated rumours surrounding Jim's disappearance regarding a boat that was in one of the bays which bordered mill land. He spoke to harbour masters, whatever that is. They're the people that... The master of the harbour. Yeah, they're like, um, you know, like customs, how they like check, (laughs) they know which boats come in and out. They've named themselves very generously. Yeah, (laughs) they really have. He spoke to them about any boats which were in the area which might have been able to get close enough to shore to pick someone up. However, all of these inquiries were to no avail and police are no closer to working out what happened to Jim. So that brings us to now. A box still sits on top of the pantry in the Donnelly's family home in Auckland, just in case their father Jim ever returns home. It contains Father's Day cards, presents and letters that Liam and Siobhan long for their dad to have. The box is decorated with their family drawings, hearts and the words Dad and Jim. Liam can at least remember building a rocket together and some other times with his father. But Siobhan was five when he disappeared and gets very upset if asked about him or if she can remember anything, 
probably insinuating that she can't. Here's a comment from Tracy about Jim's disappearance. She says, quote, Life as I knew it stopped existing that day. It was like I was on a speeding train, which took me from a place where I knew who I was to a place I didn't want to go. Tracy, now 56, would be celebrating 30 years of marriage this month and still thinks about her husband every day. She has dated a couple of times but finds it hard to let go of her soulmate. Aww. That sucks. That does suck. These few days of us whirling around in this whirlpool of this case is her whole life. Yeah. Us being perplexed about the Freemasons and steel mills. Yeah. That's her every day. Every day. For the last 16 plus years. That's the thing about these cases. You just get no closure. Mm. There's nothing to even, like, move on from because you don't know what's even happened. What do you think? I was just thinking... Big question. ...that this is truly a case where you think it's one theory and then it doesn't make sense when you think about other things. Mm -hmm. You're like, it was a cover-up. Who the hell was running? Yeah. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, he had a mental breakdown. He took his own life. He disappeared. And then you think about, like, all the weird meetings and stuff he had before and if it was exterior or interior or both in his head. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What, like, what was the catalyst? Someone apart from him has to know. Do you know what I mean? Surely he was. Who else was at these meetings? I don't know. And he was doing so many like strange things with many different people. Yeah. Prior. Yeah. Unless he was just going to, he was just wandering around saying that he was meeting people and he wasn't. That's so unlikely. He was meeting people. Who were they? What is going on? Look into this. (laughs) What is happening? No idea. New Zealand police. This is a call out. (laughs) Well, it is open. That's true, it is open. Find out who the who was he meeting with. They uh, would know something. I'm sure they've probably They probably have thoroughly done have they've already thought about this. But I'm just saying mm. someone else has to know. And then you wonder why did he buy that gift so far in advance? Was that just a coincidence? Who buys a chess set for the age of twenty one specifically? I'm pretty sure that's not a tradition of some kind. He was a very he liked playing chess. He played a lot of chess. Right. Yeah. But... What does 21 have to do with it? I don't know. And why so early? Mm. And why the day before he went missing? Like, why did he say, I'm going to come home and sort out these gifts that I bought? I bought these things. Mm. He wasn't going to come. If he knew he wasn't going to come home, why would you say that? Exactly. I was going to say, of all the episodes and cases we've done, this is kind of the first one where the man is just... On the day, like, going to work, going about his normal life and just vanishes. Mm. Other cases we've done, Harold Holt went into the ocean. Mm -hmm. These women at Mercer Bay were around, like, this area that is rocky and I guess you could liken that to a steel mill. Yeah, but he knew the mill well. Yeah, but it's not work, you know? Yeah. For them it was like a walk or like exactly. And other cases, it's like children being taken, it's... Like, Graham Potter ran from the authorities. Mm. This man just, like... He vanished. Vanished. Like, truly, we can call this a vanishing because there was, like, the setting of it Mm. doesn't lend to, like, him being a probable victim of the circumstances of work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Weird. Yeah. It is very interesting, this one. I'm going to think more about it. Me too. I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about this one. Mm. Maybe we'll crack it. Especially the stuff in the vat.
the vat stuff is weird, hey? How did it get there? Why was the why was it just the work key and not the rest of the keys? Oh, the home so key. So even if even if someone did plant it or whatever, which they probably did, mm-hmm. they've unraveled that key. They've taken it off and and the home key is somewhere still. What if the home key is made of a different metal which oxidizes? Right. Oxidizes real quick. I don't think anything was really oxidizing in this acid. It wasn't that strong. But the ponds. Oh, the the oxidation (laughs) ponds. I see. Damn, I don't know. Or even the hydrochloric acid. Maybe it just got to the home key metal type quicker than the work key metal type. Mm. Yeah, look, I'm no expert. Yeah, I'm just spouting shit now. Yeah. And if you were planting it like you were staging it, why go to the effort of taking one key off? And that oh, what if it was to really mess with the family? That would suck. Oh, God, he has his key. He'll come back. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. No, if he I did that, know. that's horrible. I also keep thinking about how if it was a cover up, and the mill didn't go as far as to like get a paid actor to have him to have someone run, then that was just pure coincidence mm. that another mill worker was running in that area. Yeah weird yeah this whole thing is a bit weird things just aren't adding up yeah nothing adds up if he was running two days later or whatever then what what was he doing for those two days he went missing he went missing on the monday and was seen running around the boundary of the mill on the wednesday how did he get there what was he doing how come they didn't find him on the monday Uh, girl what was he in the bushes we need to exit this rabbit hole you're right. We won't know. We'll you think never... we're going to be the ones no. to crack this? I know we're not. After 16 years, who comes along risen Helen? <laughs> you never know, Helen. You never know. Maybe, I don't know. maybe it'll come to me in a dream. Maybe you can send the Freemasons New Zealand an organization. FreemasonsNZ at gmail.com.co.nz. Yeah. yeah, I will. I'll email them. Yeah. And I'll say. Ask them a bit about Jim. Yeah. Subject Jim, Jim Donnelly. Donnelly. <laughs> they see it and that. Admin person's like, <gasps> spam. <laughs> he just moves it straight to spam. <laughs> yeah. At least we would have tried. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can send it from you can send it from Riley's account. Yeah. It's just that he's a, uh, I reckon he's a high ranking in society man. Mm. He presents as one. That's true. Freemasons would love him. Yeah. He does a lot of community work. We should send him in. <gasps> he's going to be the plant. He's the mole. <laughs> You're right. Good plan. Yeah. All right, let's go talk him into it. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you guys next week. Is it in Australia? Yeah, we're coming back. I'm not. I'm not coming. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll I'll do it myself. (laughs) Sorry, guys. No, I'll come. The comic relief is is gone. (laughs) Alrighty. Okay. Bye. Bye.